Welcome to Bovine Banter with the Penn State Extension Dairy Team. My name is Ginger Fenton, and I'm a dairy educator based in Mercer County, Pennsylvania. Today, we'll be talking with dairy producer Alan Davis about his experience with using data generated by an automated milking system for managing milk quality and animal health. Thanks for being with us today, Alan. Thank you. Glad to be here. Can you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your dairy background? Yeah, so I've uh, always grew up on a dairy farm in, in Western PA. When I was still in school, we'd milk just in a stall barn and we slowly built up more cows until in uh, about 2015, we needed to do something different because we were milking 120 cows in a uh, 32 stall stanchion barn. So at that time, we were really clean going with a just a kind of base double 10 parlor or a pair of robots. Beginning of April 2015, we started milking our cows in two D-Lavelle VMS robots, milked there at home a little more than four years because it was at the end of 2019 that I moved away from the home farm and took a job as a herdsman at Alfred State College in New York, where they had also utilized a robot on their organic herd. And I was kind of the main person with the robot when it came to the technical and the servicing of it. In 2021, we updated their robot, and I part of the startup and operated that for over a year till just last year I had left the college, and I'm now milking my own herd of 40 cows, not on a robot yet. I think you actually answered my next question. Can you tell us a little bit about what made you decide to put the robots in instead of a parlor? So at the time, we were actually really leaning toward the parlor. We hadn't looked that much into robots. We went on tours, drove around, looked at them, and always kind of seen the farms and really thought, that can't be us. I would No way we can afford that. And it actually turned out that the banker was the one that questioned, it's like, why not robot? So then we started looking into it more. It really turned out that the cost of them because of the reduced construction cost because of smaller holding area, much smaller parlor and everything that we were within 70 to 100 grand of a parlor. And then with the labor savings, I've decided to go with the robot. Thank you. So thinking about that, what are some of the advantages with the robots or the automated milking systems and some of the disadvantages that you see as a dairy producer? One of the main advantages, it is best for the cow just because how they always how they can milk themselves and it gives the freedom back to the cow, but also you're referring back to working on cows on an individual basis instead of a group as a parlor. It's like when you got more cows, you seem to lose the individual, but then you gained it back when you got in the robots because when it comes to the information, you are now looking at it on a per cow instead of always just What's the whole herd producing as an average? You can look at everything on a per cow basis again. One of the best things we found, and didn't even really realize it until we were milking, the quarter milking and how unbalanced a cow actually is. Very few are even the whole way across. Now, most what's most commonly is either front back being heavier or left right sometimes. But I mean, there are several that two quarters are significantly lighter. One's really light, one's really heavy. And in a traditional or standard parlor, you'd be over milking one quarter or under milking another. So that was a big benefit that, that sold us. I guess the corner milking was 
some of the disadvantages you're never not milking. Like I said at the start, is like I, I do believe, honestly, believe that the robot's the best for the cow, but that leaves open if poorly managed, it could be the worst thing for the farm. It takes a different kind of management. You need to always be available, but or someone it doesn't have to be you. Someone has to be available for when, because it is always going to be when it goes down, and it's going to happen at inconvenient times. Almost after just a few months of doing it, whenever anyone asks, like, are you glad you did it with the robots? The answer I like to give is most days. Always a huge benefit and a selling point, really, to a, ro- to a parlor of when you shut the pump off, you're done. Robot cows are much more calmer and content because their interaction with you a lot of the time, you're walking through the barn, you're not needing that cow or the other one. They let you walk past without any any thought until you get to the one that you're getting for fetching and you come and walk them. But in a lot of parlor barns, their main interaction with people is chasing the whole group from the free stall to the parlor. So as soon as a person enters that barn, they're ready to move, even if you don't need them to. Those are some good points. Do you think that a person has to be a numbers person or somebody that likes to look at data in order to manage a farm with robots? It it definitely helps to be a numbers-driven person, as I like to think I am. Efficiency in numbers are a whole different language, and I like to look at them. The second most common board that we now watch now or uh, that I've watched, we didn't know what it did for the first month. (laughs) We don't know what we're looking at. Because we went in from the stall barn having absolutely nothing. All of our information was on Excel spreadsheets that we made ourselves after the vet came. So we didn't test or anything. You mentioned some of the, the data and some of the things that you look at. Robots generate so much data. Do you have suggestions for where somebody should start to learn to navigate it? And you mentioned one metric that you follow. Some of the key metrics are things that you look at. They have a, a report that's called cow monitoring and it counts up issues. Like there's a bunch of color on it. Everything's green. Everything's good. Then there's yellow and red and it all counts up blood in a quarter. That'll be one. It'll be a counter. And it detects it at a really low level. Like actually in some herds that are all colored breeds, they have to change the threshold some because what it's reading, maybe conductivity would be the better example if it gets outside of its threshold, which a cow's conductivity, they have their own baseline and it's reading differences out of that baseline. If one quarter is 125% higher than the average of, I think it's average of the lowest two, then that flags up that happened this milk. And it'll keep counting up each time it happens. And that number will be red, but the box that the number's in will be red. If it didn't happen the last milking, it'll go back yellow. So a lot of the times, because all the reports you can change in ascending or descending order by different columns, you just put that at the highest level. It's like, okay, so I'm looking at these top cows that it's happened most recent and most often. Am I CMTing those cows, pulling extra samples, send with the truck or wherever you can get samples from to see if there is a, a clinical mastitis issue? There again, I mean, some of these things are very sensitive, so there can be a lot of false positives. False negatives are a lot more rare, but they can happen, especially if you have a cow that drops in milk really fast because it needs so much for a sample size. 
you know, it's something that throws a lot of, maybe not a lot, but significant amount of false positives that then you need to recheck that cow. And it only really becomes an issue if you just let it go, just like regular mastitis anywhere else, it becomes an issue because you didn't address it early enough. I mean, that's when it comes to milk quality. It obviously is taking milk yields on every milking. So you can look at that on the main milking queue that shows when, uh, how often like the cow is milked, like who has permission right now and who is overdue. So it's probably, that was called our idle screen. That's what you just always left up. So you just pop in and see if there was a lot of red cows and those would be the ones you go to fetch. But on that, there was a column that was last percentage of expected yield last milking. So being that it's recording milk production, it gives expected yields. If you have a cow that all of a sudden only milks 70% of what she was supposed to, you notice that, maybe put eyes on that cow and what make sure the next milking, it's back up at least in the 90s. And then, okay, maybe, maybe she was in heat or something. Or for some reason, she was just low for this one milking. But if it's, you got a cow that's commonly all of a sudden 70, 60% for several days, that cow's off feed. There is something wrong. And then you got to address it another way. And those are the two main screens. And you have for, say, immediate attention. But then it obviously has all the herd management stuff in there, pregnancies and all that. And again, all these reports are all changeable for ascending, descending orders, and you can group them differently. How have you been able to use the data from the robots to make adjustments and management decisions? Finding and just following milk production on a per cow basis, that obviously helps because you can do that in a standard barn. And when you make feed adjustments, seeing what it changes, seeing results immediately and not having to let it go a couple of days and then we'll see what we ship and make sure it's a difference. You could see that really quickly. And then looking again on individual cow basis, all decisions. I mean, those are some of the most important decisions you make because you're making the final decision for that cow. Uh, one of the interesting things when we started, not only was the, oh, the cow's not being even, it was who's actually the highest producer. I mean, some of the best looking cows in the barn, they're in the top 20, well put together cow, but that's normally not your highest couple of cows. Normally that's a cow that isn't able to eat enough to keep up with her milk production. So you thought that she was a high producer just because she had a large udder, but didn't really realize that cow's milking 150 pounds, but that's the best cow in the barn. So that's on the top end of the spectrum. Very similarly at the bottom when you're talking calls also, yeah, you think that's the worst cow, time to let her go. She's still milking 60, and I'm no longer going to put anything into her because she is a DNB but I can profitably milk her for three, four more months with no more investment into her. Why call her right now? That's the easiest cow in the barn, especially if she's well-trained or anything. It's like, you just have to feed her and she's milking over her baseline. So you can milk that cow for several more months. Well, meanwhile, another one that you were considering breeding, the calved in, maybe had a rough calving, but you're like, uh, she's never taken off and is only at 40 pounds. She peaked at, only peaked at 50. Like maybe it's time to just let her go while in another place is 
without that information, you would have made a decision maybe more based on emotion of, ah, we'll give her another chance. With the information, you're kind of forced, forced with the data. Also in your experience, what challenges have you seen in interpreting the data and then actually applying them? A cow being low in production or something with the expected yield, there's a lot of maybe not trusting it right away. Like, uh, something just happened. That cow just came late for some reason. It'll be fine. And then letting it get to day three or four without intervention. And then all of a sudden, yeah, I should have done something that first time I noticed it. But you just saying, maybe I noticed it just because I'm looking too much after being in it a couple of years, being to the point that if I noticed it, I should probably investigate it. Because normal things don't pop off the screen once you're comfortable there. So I'm taking away from that to pretty much trust the data. You mentioned earlier, you know, before the robots too, using spreadsheets. And I wondered if even with the robot generated data, if you use other tools, like still use spreadsheets or apps or any other programs or anything to help you with your management decisions. So the college had still used Dairy Comp, which Dairy Comp with DeLavelle's their management software is called Dell Pro. So Dairy Comp and Dell Pro could still easily talk and transfer data. The other herdsman that was more on the cow side while I was more on the robot side, she liked Dairy Comp along with the farm manager. That's what they were used to before the robots. They're again going from just making our own on Excel to not really having any others. I thought Dell Pro was awesome because it did everything I could thought of because I never had Dairy Comp. There was a few reports that Dairy Comp had, the Dell Pro didn't. So some farms do run both. I don't know if it's necessary. It's kind of redundant. It's easier on Dairy Comp to put in its commands and get a quick report of exactly what you need. Where in Dell Pro, you can make it by adding and subtracting columns. But if it's going to be the same report that you need every time, you could build that as your default report and it would always be there you just have to refresh it or whatever i said you can run several different ones to supplement it i personally don't think it's necessary but uh if there's something that you're used to and i know dairy comp's not the only one there's a couple of those that are herd management softwares that aren't connected to parlors that are out there but there are several that do still talk with dell pro even on a parlor setup of just collecting uh, milk yields. I've heard you say that you've learned a lot by trial, by error and and exploring. I was wondering for our listeners, where you suggest they go to try and learn or if there are other places for guidance to help them fully understand how to use the data from the robots, like any tutorials or any other resources that you found that were helpful. Almost every robot type out there, whether it be DLVELV or Lele, there's there's definitely Facebook user groups, which I, that has been very helpful to me. Uh, some of the people in that, I've actually myself shared a few videos on that group on some of the data and different things. So just reaching out to previous users. Uh, if you're thinking about putting a robot in, sometimes it's hard to get away, but spending not just a few hours at a farm, couple of days fully fully uh, mirroring following what they do what they look at on a daily basis it's a little hard to just sit down and 
oh, here's my desktop. This is what I normally look at, but just kind of following around and watching them come into the office, click through in their in 30 seconds and look at what they're looking at real quick before they go and continue on something else. That's definitely huge. It's always best to have what's strong in your region. Uh, even if you're willing to fix something yourself, who are you going to call that can walk you through something or remotely log in if it is only a software thing? You mentioned a lot of trial by error, but most of that has been guided in some manner. And always having that person, that tech to call is very important. But that's where sometimes, and some of the, the say, the bad press that robots have gotten been from aggressive salesmen, probably selling robots to farms that may not be the right fit. So if you're willing to learn, willing to try, there's support from the company or from other users that will help you succeed. Your level of success is based on what you're willing to try and do. Earlier in our conversation, you shared a little bit about your situation. Can you tell us now you don't have the data generated by the robots, what you miss the most and how your management of the data have changed? Shortly. So I started milking last year. It's been pretty much exactly a year since I took over a, a neighbor's small dairy. It's a, uh, a single four surge parlor, which some people call sawtooth parlors. The cows are stand beside each other, rugging and let one out at a time, but it's still only four at a time which it didn't take me long milking in that facility to be like a robot would sit for pretty nice on that shelf. All of a sudden I'm like, I know nothing about these cows. I went from knowing more than I could ever need to, I, I mean, know nothing at all. I actually ended up started uh, testing, you know, not, I guess it is like DHI testing comes in, test somatic cell, milk weights, I am actually using him for preg checks on the milk samples if they're in time to be preg checked. So just going from abundance to none was a little bit of a shock for 15 years, although most of that was a kid, but very involved, just like milked with knowing nothing other than just when the milk was shipped, you took, you divided what was shipped by how many you milked that those couple of days to try to get a rough herd average. And then it's like, well, especially when, once I took it over and wanting to turn over a few cows, it's like, okay, I want to want to get milk weights to make the smart decision of getting rid of which cows are the actual right ones to get rid of. One of those was an obvious one. It's like, I don't even know why I need to test this one. I can see that she's milking like 15 pounds. And that's what she was. She was about 18 pounds. And uh, but definitely had a few that shocked. Yeah, I don't know about this cow. Probably get rid of her and then tested her and. Was still milking about 50 pounds to run a lower herd average at where I took over because we're just baleage and pasture based. Yeah, so not having it when it came to call decisions and everything else definitely made it more difficult. The best robot cow, you forget what she looks like because you don't do anything with her. You never have to fetch her or whatever. Whenever you start looking at information, you go, it's 295. Oh, yeah, that's who she is. <laughs> it, that that's the best cow in the barn if you forget what she looks like because she's got no problems that's one of the best robot cows even if she's only in the middle of production that's better than a cow that you have to fetch for every milking like i said the difference with the data not having it definitely made call decisions and even breeding decisions 
a little bit harder, especially now in the time of most people are breeding uh, using a lot of Angus semen at the bottom. Well, where is that line if you don't have the information to make the threshold decision? If you don't have that, what are you basing it off of? Cows are deceiving. If you just go by looks on how much they're actually producing, it's a little bit harder to do just by looks, especially after doing it with the numbers you start with. As we wrap up, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners? Robots may be intimidating because of the technology. So it's not anything to be afraid of. And it's definitely something that it helps a small farm utilize owner labor. Definitely helps a small farm on that. And then here in the last few years, it's helping large farms expand without centralize their animals and all the manure and all the feed definitely for a lot of farms worth looking into if you're at a if you're at a time that it's time to build something new definitely should consider robotics if you're looking at building a new parlor or something else yeah thank you alan thank you for taking the time to talk with us today and thank you to all our listeners out there Don't forget to tune in to the next episode of the Bovine Banter podcast when Extension Veterinarian Dr. Adrian Berrigan will discuss applying the data generated using automated calf feeding systems. If you have any questions about today's episode, please email me at gdc3 at psu.edu.